Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Clark. And welcome to Wordstruck, Boss Battle Edition. Da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, that was a bit dramatic. Uh, no, this is Wordstruck, where we take a fresh look at great books. Uh, this season, we're talking about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And this episode, we're talking about the final chapter of that book. The Man with Two Faces. Want to want to tell us a little bit about this chapter, Alyssa? Yeah, so chapter 17. Um, Quirrell is in the final chamber and tries to get the stone out of the mirror of Erised. And instead, Harry gets the stone and Quirrell reveals that he has Voldemort in the back of his head. Mm. And then Harry burns Quirrell to death with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dumbledore saves the day. Kind and of, yeah. Yeah, uh, he comes to pick up the mess. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Gryffindor wins everything, and the students head home. And that's the end. <laughs> that's the end. That's the end of the book. It's uh, This chapter covered so it's much It's really ground. hard to boil down into, like, four sentences. <laughs> and thankfully, uh, for those of you that are reading along with us, uh, this, qu- this chapter answered so many questions, uh, wrapped up so many loose ends, but it did it in kind of a clunky way. It did it through Quirrell in the worst way possible. In the worst way. Uh, well, to start off, there are the reveal of this chapter was really nice, and the way that they presented it, where you know, it, the last chapter ended with a total cliffhanger, like mm-hmm. it wasn't Voldemort, it wasn't even Snape, and then this just chap the, the chapter started with it was Quirrell. <laughs> That is the first sentence. It's like, nice and rewarding. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Huge payoff. And there's a moment where she, Rowling, actually wrote like a you, and then he's like, me. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, oh, okay. It's, it's a little overwrought. Yeah. So, I mean, not the strongest beginning of a chapter, but that's that's kind of been her style lately, where it's like, all right, the first paragraph's a little clunky, but it gets the job done. Yeah. Uh, so this reveal... Turns out it was Quirrell, uh, and that's pretty much as far as we get before Quirrell starts talking about how he did it, and what he's doing, and who he is, and all the exposition about Snape. So I have a project that I really want to do. Ooh. And it's... Have you heard of the vagina monologues? I've heard of it. I want to make a Harry Potter adaptation of that, and that's the villain monologues, and it's just all of the villain monologues from this, of just... The, way too much information. This being <laughs> Harry Potter, or this being like the realm of fantasy fiction? Maybe the realm of fantasy fiction, but it seems like there's a lot of room here for villain monologues. And yeah. What Snape, even though Snape wasn't really our villain, but Snape talking to Quirrell, all of his oversharing. And... Hold up, Snape wasn't the bad guy. Um, no, but as what? Quirrell says, oh. he does seem the type. <laughs> swooping around like an overgrown bat. <laughs> I did like that line. It though. was so good. I yeah. was like, "You, he is such a caricature," and it's sort of sad to me that he's such a caricature. Snape, yeah, yeah, because he doesn't really get to be a full character at all. This book, no, no. like even even is. we get the reveal, but we don't get to see him really in that new light. We just no. get to see him at the end of the chapter at the like banquet and he's still like hasn't changed a bit yeah he still hates Harry Snape he's like I still need to be this character for the next book too it's like I I sort of wish he could live that fuller character that we supposedly are promised yeah I'm just assuming that comes in the future books one would hope yeah I mean 
Uh, right? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> he looks slightly disappointed. Uh, though we did get to learn that Snape was, in fact, familiar with Harry's parents. Um, Which wasn't you a big fan of his dad. But yeah. you thought they were friends. I thought they were friends. Yeah, I did. Um, did you really think they were friends? Like they were tight? And... Well, I thought that Harry was just like a constant reminder that his friend died and that maybe they wouldn't have died if Harry. Oh, I guess if I was thinking in that realm, then maybe the mom wouldn't have died if if it wasn't for Harry. Especially because Voldemort says that himself. He's like, your mom didn't have to die, but she chose to. Well, because she was protecting you. Yeah, I, I think in Which, that situation, not really it's not choice. really a choice. I mean, yeah, she could abandon her child. Is that what but... Sophie's choice was about? I know nothing <laughs> about this. <laughs> yep, checks out. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds right to me. So... We discover from Quirrell that, yeah, Snape's not the bad guy. Uh, in fact, Snape was trying to protect Harry this whole time, which is uh, also why Snape refereed the Quidditch match, was so that he could protect Harry. Though, <clears throat> if Quirrell was the one who was trying to mess up Harry's whole thing in the first Quidditch match, I'm curious, like, what was Voldemort's final game plan with that? Like, what was he actually trying to kill Harry? Because that seems like a really weak, silly way to kill Harry. Like in a super, super public place where I'm assuming that the ref had some kind of feather fall spell and the broom was wacky and like any number of his teammates could have caught him if he fell or like what a clunky way to kill him. Well, but we've already established that Quidditch, there are a lot of hands-off rules of like just kind of let things play their course no matter how dangerous it gets. And we've sort of speculated that maybe School editions are, are lower stakes, but we haven't actually seen any evidence of that in the Yeah, text. that's true. And maybe it's like it's hard to tell a, a falling seeker from a diving seeker. And it's really know? hard to put an 11-year-old in a situation that he could legitimately risk his life. Yeah. But that that's maybe the most dangerous thing that... that and Voldemort saw the opportunity and was just like, let's take him out. <laughs> yeah, it could be. Uh, My question with that yeah. was um, how, because Quirrell sort of lines out like, oh, no, 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 here's all of what Snape was trying to do. And it was your friend Hermione who bumped me and it threw me off. And I was like, you know a lot. Like, you had a great awareness of everything that's going on around you. Yeah. And I feel like a curse of that caliber, like, was probably taking a lot of your concentration. If it was taking that much com- concentration from Snape to throw yeah, it off. Yeah, yeah. So I can't imagine, like, one bump would really pull him back to full awareness of his surroundings. Maybe it would pull him out. Yeah. But then to be able to turn around and be like, that person bumped me. And then she set him on fire. And then the end. That's Hermione. She must be trying to break his spell. (laughs) It's connected a few too many dots, I thought. I feel like if you got bumped by a random kid when you were trying to cast a curse, you'd just be like, ah, darn kids. And you'd go back to it. You wouldn't follow it. And and even if it's... Well, because Harry, once once the spell was thrown off, Harry jumped on the broom and caught the snitch. So there wasn't enough time to like yeah. turn back and deal with it. But yeah. but I, I just feel like the way that he said it, if instead he said, uh, and and then someone bumped me and I lost my concentration and and then the game was over and I there there was no more time. Like even that sort of vagueness would yeah. would feel a little more genuine. Yeah, instead of just such clarity, such yeah, attention, to such it. precision in his description of what happened, it's almost like the like the narrator is the person who like 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 he has the narrator's understanding of what was going on. The other you know. thing I I have a hard time believing is 
him being aware that Snape was the one casting the counterspell. Yeah, that's it true. It could be anyone. It's yeah. a huge Quidditch stage. I mean, yeah, yeah. how many teachers were there? So many. It could have been Madame Hooch. It could have been McGonagall. And may, yeah. like, why is he aware that it's that person? And maybe that other person's like, you could sort of like sense that magic well, and or that's, something. I mean, that would make sense yours. that like he saw Hermione and followed her her to see what she was doing and saw that she stopped Snape who was also I don't know but it is poorly done for yeah. sure so then Harry has this this sort of uh, awareness of okay well I just need to keep him talking and it's like you don't have to do anything to keep him talking honey he's, <laughs> he's gonna doing just fine just keep talking yeah and whoo and it's I, I can't help but think he talks about how like oh man I like I met my master when I was out in the world and yeah, all of yeah. this and punished me when I screwed up with the with stealing the sorcerer's stone the first time around and yeah. and I just can't help but think why isn't Voldemort like punishing him now for his <laughs> evil villain monologue yeah like, he's like why are you talking about trolls right now and how good you are with trolls stop wasting time stop <laughs> running your mouth at the eleven year old who is a person I have tried to kill many times. Stop yeah, telling yeah. him my secrets. Yeah. Stop telling him how we did everything and got away with it. And just find the freaking stone for me. <laughs> like Exactly. Especially when, like, he has power, apparently. So it's like, Voldemort is weak and he's been living off of unicorn blood. And, and when Voldemort says, like, I want to reveal myself, show, show me to him. Um, but before that, Quirrell, well... Huh. I guess what I'm trying to get at is the difference between how powerful Quirrell is and how powerful Voldemort is. Because we see Quirrell casting a spell essentially by snapping his fingers. Mm-hmm. Bef- like, while Harry... That's very powerful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He snaps his fingers and Doesn't all of a sudden Harry is wrapped up. can tell. In... Yeah, no. He just... Harry's wrapped up in ropes. Snap of the finger. And, like, maybe that's not a super complex spell, but it's enough to restrain someone like that seems you know to not even say a word that seems powerful uh thankfully uh quirrell didn't tell us how he got through every single challenge that would have been really annoying (laughs) he's like oh yes and then i got up on the broom and i caught the key that was silver and we're just like shut up uh, he did tell us how he got past the troll. That he I feel like that would make trolls. a really entertaining, like, comical, like, cir- <laughs> film with a little bit of, like, like short film with some circus music. Yeah, I it. could see that. <laughs> you just see him, like, going through all these things, grabbing at the key. Drink the poison. Yeah. I think Quirrell, he was, what, Defense Against the Dark Arts? Yeah. He probably knew a few anti-venom spells. Maybe not strong enough, but... I don't know. I don't know. So You with those fake spells again. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be an anti-venom. Come on. <laughs> Though, uh, I guess talking about the trolls, let's see. It was Quirrell that let the troll in, and Snape caught him? I'm a little bit curious. Like, wait, he, he caught a troll, but it wasn't that troll. It was a different troll that he was just like, what, what? Can you clarify the whole troll thing for me? So, Halloween. Yes. Quirrell lets a troll in as a distraction. To go... While he goes to try to steal the stone. Okay. get an idea of... I don't think he actually believed he was going to steal it that night. I think he was just trying to see what else is there. Figure out what was going on. Yeah. And then Snape saw him. Snape was like, trolls. 
Coral's kind of troll-like. Like, he <laughs> has an interest in trolls. I'm going to go that direction because I think there's something fishy going on here. And so he went to go stop hmm. Coral. And that's kind of Snape's interaction with Coral is Snape doesn't trust him and he's trying to get what out of Coral exactly? Because I thought we heard Snape specifically talk to him about the Sorcerer's Stone and getting the Sorcerer's Stone. So why would he have that meeting with Quirrell in the forest? I, I guess I still don't understand the meeting in the forest with Snape and Quirrell, with, even with all of the monologuing. Snape in the forest says, oh, I thought we'd keep this private. Have you found out how to get past the Beast of Hagrid's yet? Quirrell stutters, but Severus, I... Snape cuts him off. I don't want you... You don't want me as your enemy, Quirrell. Quirrell says... I don't know what your da, 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 da. Snape hmm. says. You know perfectly well what I mean. Very well. We have another. We'll have another little chat soon. But when you've had time to think things over and decided where your loyalties lie, so Snape's so... not nowhere in there. Does it say Snape's trying to get the stone? Okay. And nowhere in there does Snape convey to Quirrell, "I need you to get the stone." Hmm. He's just saying, "I like." You need to reassess where your loyalties are. Yeah, because so there you're is trying a possibility to get the stone is a that Snape's suspicious of Quirrell and trying to persuade him otherwise. Hmm. But he's doing it in a really crappy, swooping around like a bat way. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it still seems suspicious, even with kind of like reading it again with new light. It's like why why go about it that way? Yeah, I mean, why, why talk to him about it in private and in a forest and ask if he knows how to get past it and like. Why not just try to persuade him otherwise? Yeah, or talk to Dumbledore. Eh, you never know. That guy's a bit Well, but if you bring him to Dumbledore, is that maybe maybe that'll just expedite everything and he'll just like, okay, Dumbledore knows now, so I have to move now. Could be, could be. It just seems like... And Snape doesn't really strike me as someone who's going to like rely on other people to clean up the mess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's very hands-on kind of dude. He's very much like Harry Potter. Maybe, uh, maybe that's one more reason why he doesn't like him. Despite knowing and not liking his father either. Perhaps. His father saved him. So we learned. So we learned. Snape is indebted to the Potters. Mm, that mm. sucks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my one of my prediction questions for you is uh-huh. uh, how did James Potter save Severus Snape's life? Hmm. How did James save Snape? Severus, I guess, for using first names. Uh, I mean, we've we've known him for a book. I think we're that familiar with them. I think I know so little about this situation that I'm going to say there is a mysterious ticking noise. <laughs> and Snape, Ron, and Hermione, and and well, no, that was this was before their time. But Snape went to investigate, and uh, James went in and said, "No, no, 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 no. That is a that is a bomb." And he a pipe bomb, no a less. Pipe bomb, yeah. <laughs> so this mysterious ticking noise. Snape was drawn into it. He thought it was a little bit catchy. Maybe he was singing a little ditty to it, and then. How do you know the Potter puppet pals? <laughs> what is that? How a do thing? you know the Potter puppet pals? But you don't know Harry Potter. I just. I, I... the gaps in your knowledge are disappointing. <laughs> The Potter Puffin Pals are awesome. <laughs> they are. I don't know what they're talking about half so the time, is Harry but it's hilarious. Potter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my prediction. Um, a, a pipe bomb. <laughs> a pipe bomb. 
that he saved him That from. Harry, Ron, and Hermione were going toward. Well, they encounter it later. This was the first time. <laughs> it did not explode this time, so someone else finds it again. It was a on. dud, so technically James didn't even save him. <laughs> <laughs> and then Snape fell into its trap once again later on with Ron and Hermione. So, anyway, that is my prediction. Uh, <laughs> so, the big boss battle ended up just being um, mostly both of them staring into the mirror and then all Quirrell can see is, like, him trying to get the stone, or he can see the stone. I forget. Uh, Here's my question. Oh, okay. okay. So, um, so, twir- so Quirrell, Twirl, Quirrell can see um, himself getting the stone and presenting it to his master. <laughs> so holding it up to the back of his head. I guess. <laughs> here, here it is. Can you see it? You got uh, it? My arm's a little sore. Can yeah. you see it? I'll, I can't cry I'll undo the turban a little bit more. Oh, man. <laughs> What do you want me to do with it? Set it, set it down. What do I, how do I make this work? Okay, I got some gold. What do you want? <laughs> uh, by the way, I kind of called it with the mirror of Irised. You did a little bit. I said maybe not the mirror itself, but something like the mirror where it's a riddle or like. How did something. you? How did you pick it out? What? What? Why raised else, a flag? Why else would the mirror of Irised exist? Like, if not everything we've been presented with up until this boss battle, like this. This is a children's book, you know? Like, why why else present this mirror with a lot of interesting consequences that everybody who sees it sees a little bit differently? And if you have a thirst for glory, then you see that. Like, it just it just felt right. Even though I I know that I didn't specifically say the mirror of Irised is going to be in there, but I said, you know, something, that concept. I was trying so hard not to react to it, and maybe I did, but... No? I, I don't know. I was like, oh, crap. How it did just, you pick up on that? It just made sense. <laughs> and it would have to be Dumbledore's thing, and what seems like something Dumbledore would do? Well, he seems to like those little what type of person games. And riddles. And riddles. Yeah. So, yeah, we see Quirrell. When Quirrell looks in the mirror, he sees himself trying to help the um present the stone to his master so here's my question later dumbledore explains how the mirror worked Mm -hmm. where it would only appear for someone who merely wanted to find the stone not someone who wanted to use it so So... why didn't it appear for quarrel because technically (sighs) he didn't want to use it yeah he wanted to find it so someone else could use it and is the fact that Voldemort was in the back of his head part of the problem? Yeah, I think that's probably it. I think so, Voldemort probably clouded his thoughts and his mind so much that he... But even then, what if some other some other follower of Voldemort just were the one who didn't have Voldemort in his, and wanted to find it and give it to Voldemort? Yeah. Like, that's problematic. <laughs> yeah, it's a... Uh... Maybe it wasn't... Maybe... Dumbledore was oversimplifying. Well, and this is why, you know, when I said, when I was talking about the Mirror of Era, said how it could be something that detected only the pure of heart or something like that. This is the problem with it, where it's like, okay, someone who's pure of heart, but is, it's really hard to write that well. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to get that loophole in correctly. Because it's like, yeah, someone who just wants to find it, but not use it. But... That could Surely. be a lot of people. That could be a lot of people, but really, Harry doesn't want to use it for anything? Nothing? And in that moment, mm-hmm. why would his deepest desire be, I want to find the stone? Yeah, yeah. And not... Wouldn't it be like, I want I kill want this out guy? of this situation. Yeah. I want it not to be a part of my life anymore. I want to emerge safely and... 
to have my parents back and well we did see harry potter's mania about this where he's like snape wants the stone for voldemort stone 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 like he's been pushing for the stone and like when he said let's go down there he's not like let's go down there to kill voldemort but he's like let's go down there to get the stone but finding the stone i don't think is his deepest desire i think it's a tactic to achieve his deepest desire which is addressing this situation Mm. and solving it Uh, i don't know i i I don't know what i would have done differently had i been the author she wrote it well enough it doesn't hold up that well under a microscope, but broad strokes, it holds up. It's also really frustrating that the mirror just, like, drops a stone in the pocket of an 11-year-old. Like, yeah. Like, if if he there just could not get the stone, like, yeah. what... And if and Dumbledore, um, it really, the programming could have been written a lot tighter. It's, yeah. And whoever, he needs to check his code, and he needs to check for all of these, like, inconsistencies <laughs> and overflow errors and memory leaks and, um... Dumbledore wouldn't understand any of that. <laughs> well, that's why he's not a supreme mugwump. Well, I guess he is, he is. but uh, that's why, why he's not, not Minister of Magic. Minister of Magic. Gotta check your overflow errors, Ooh. bud. <clears throat> so, the fight that actually occurs is uh, Harry gets the, like you said, he gets the stone in his pocket, and Quirrell's still trying to get it, and he's like, well, well what do you see in the mirror? And Harry's like, uh... Which, first of all... Why are you asking your enemy for help? <laughs> like, what do you see? Or like, <laughs> it wasn't. There's kind of this dialogue of like Voldemort being curious about it, or Quirrell at least being curious about it. No, it's he's talking to himself. Oh, okay. He's saying, "What does this mirror do? I don't understand." Mm-hmm. And then Voldemort, in the back of his head, is whispering, "Use the boy." Use the boy. It's the new use the force. Yeah. (laughs) A little bit lamer. (laughs) So Uh, use the boy and then, let's see. Come here, Coral repeated. Look in the mirror and tell me what you see. And then he's like, well, tell me what you see. And and he says that I want to win the house cup for Gryffindor. And Coral like curses. He's like, damn it. (laughs) That's not what I wanted. This does nothing for me. <laughs> it's like Quirrell doesn't get why they're asking Harry either. And then Voldemort's like, well, no, he's lying. As, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so Voldemort figures out he's lying. Do you think that's because Harry's a really terrible liar or because Voldemort understands his adversary? I, hmm. I don't know. And I was wondering about this too, where it's like, again, how powerful is Voldemort? He's a super powerful wizard, but he can't physically compel Quirrell to do anything he has to like command him attack him and then Quirrell's like I I can't attack him it burns and he's like okay then kill him but like Voldemort can't drive this car so it's like if he can't even drive a Quirrell he's a backseat driver driver (laughs) for Quirrell so it's like Voldemort's not powerful enough to physically compel Quirrell yet so he's not that powerful but he does seem to be just incredibly perceptive um where it's like he knows Harry's line so I guess to answer your question, I don't... I guess he understands his adversary, but like you said, it's an 11-year-old boy, so... Well, but more than an 11-year-old boy, he knows it's Dumbledore's riddle. Yeah, that's true. And I think that's he true. understands Dumbledore. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, know your enemy, right? Yeah, like, and uh, they've already been at war once. Yeah. He knows Dumbledore. Dum- he fears him, and yeah. I don't... I don't think he fears him for lack of knowing him. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And the fact that he expected that he might see Harry down there in the first place. Like, he was not surprised to see Harry down there at that time. So he's like, oh, yep, you did show up. I was wondering. Like, I could see how he would guess that maybe Harry had the answer to the riddle. So, yeah, he's asking him what he sees in the mirror. But Voldemort clearly understands that there's something to be drawn from that. Mm -hmm. He is a smart guy, this Voldemort. Um, (laughs) I don't think Quirrell was the right choice, but... (laughs) <laughs> maybe he, though he was a willing body i mean so yeah that's true that, and so, that much is very clear we are revealed to see voldemort's face after he unwraps the turban does it say anything about the smell of that by the way yeah it voldemort reeks yeah oh yeah <laughs> because that's why he had to stuff like the clothes of garlic and not everything all around it was to mask that scent of the reeking voldemort uh and it mentions specifically that voldemort has snake-like nostrils mm-hmm Huh. A snake compared to Voldemort. Very interesting. Is I just I put it in the notes cuz cuz yeah, I I, I, I like, have been talking about uh and, this this fits Clark's guesses here. And listeners and fellow readers, I don't think you understand. I I've edited a lot of my rants about snakes out of the podcast <laughs> because I literally go on and on about how there's got to be a snake in this episode or in this book, like a giant snake. And, like, I had to, like, go in and take it out because I'm like, man, I really go on about this. <laughs> you are convinced. <laughs> I am convinced. And Alyssa's just like, uh-huh, yep, yep. totally a giant snake in there. <laughs> but there's not. But Voldemort has snake-like little slits for noses. Yeah. So I have not yet given up on the idea that... Do you think he is a snake? I don't. I don't. Well, he's clearly not a snake now, but... This is not his final form. Think he was a snake or will be a snake? Yeah, he could be a snake eventually. A really big one, though. <laughs> <laughs> like a real big one. Like boa big or like... Oh, bigger than a boa. Skyscraper big. Uh, <laughs> bigger than a bread box. <laughs> bigger than bread box, uh, smaller than Godzilla. <laughs> I'd say he will probably be a two to three hundred pound giant snake thing. Anyway. It's a beast, man. Yeah, it's a beast. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty big snake. Um, it, it would get you. So, yeah, no big snake. No big spider. That's okay. Just another creature in the back of a professor's head. And so, uh, my one of my questions is, how do you think this works anatomically? Like, when he's eating the unicorn blood uh-huh uh, like it said that quarrel was the one doing that but like so why does he have like eyes and a face and a mouth like does, does uh, he have the ability to eat and if so do they share like yeah i i an think esophagus and <laughs> for now voldemort is just a very advanced leech does he breathe eh, or I is or is it 100 percent magic back there hmm. i think it's like 90 percent magic uh Ten percent. Is he like face from Nickelodeon? Ooh, yeah. Ten percent face from Nickelodeon. There we go. Answers all your questions that you didn't even ask. It's great. He'll talk. So many. Yeah, he'll talk at you. Yeah, face is actually a very good comparison. Yeah, because he'll just pop up when you weren't expecting it. Weren't asking for face here. I'm about to just talk at you for about a while. Um, So yeah, definitely would smell. Face is good one. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but as for Voldemort, I think that he is pretty much like a human ear grown on the back of a lab rat, uh, where it's like, 
my gosh. It makes sense in my head. It's so true. That is a great example. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, no, that'll come in very much in handy one day, but it's it needs to be like transplanted or... or... And also it's supposed to be its own thing. It's supposed reality. to be its own thing. It looks really unnatural. It seems really weird, but there is a greater purpose in mind. And it doesn't actually hear for itself. No, no. So I think he's using Quirrell's ears and mouth and esophagus and other things uh, until he can grow his own. Or turned into a giant snake. Or, I mean, he's not, Dumbledore later describes him as not entirely alive and not entirely dead. So he's not really either. So maybe he doesn't need to breathe and he doesn't need to eat. Could be. He subsists on the magic. And I guess through a pretty important part, uh, Quirrell goes to kill Harry with his hands and like choke him out. And it burns really, really bad because Harry is protected by the power of love. Yeah. The power of love. Uh, and then Quirrell is left to die after... Quirrell pretty much, like, can't hold on any longer. And it's really, 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 really hurting him. And Voldemort's like, okay, well, if you can't kill him with your hands, then cast some kind of spill. Like, he's pretty much just yelling, like, just kill him. Do whatever you have to do. Kill him. I don't care what it is. Uh, but he can't let go at that point. So he's kind of left holding on, like like an electric fence. Like, if you grab yeah. an electric fence and you actually grip it, you could be there for a while because your muscles can't relax to let go. So it's like you're never supposed to grab it with your hand. You're supposed to touch it with the back of your hand. So if you tense up, you don't grab the fence. Uh, the more you know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I, I've been shocked by enough electric fences to, <laughs> to know that one. Um, so Quirrell is – it says that Voldemort left Quirrell to die. But Dumbledore was there, and he kind of saw that happen. What do you think that looked like? What does Voldemort leaving Quirrell look like? Is it a cloud that moves what you, through what the do room? You think? Uh, <laughs> I think he transforms into a tiny little bat and flaps through. Never, you'll see me again. <laughs> <laughs> Not a snake, a bat. Really. A bat? Well, <laughs> He's got to fly You've up. You've been determined that he's a bat. He, well, has a, he doesn't have to go up. He can go into the deep into the earth. That's true. He could burrow down. Snakes are going to As far as we know, they're on the second floor. I mean. That's a good point. <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming for him to leave, he either has to turn into some kind of vapor or something, some ghost. It, the thing is, it's a fantasy world, and they're not ready to tell us that yet. So, like, He's it could be He's neither alive anything. nor dead. He could be a ghost. Yeah, it could be a ghost, yeah. I didn't think of that. Or poltergeist, I guess, technically. Yeah. Um, well, poltergeists have the ability to affect the world around them, and he doesn't. Well, I mean, he like, can... Well, that's true. He can't move things. That's true, said yeah. That. So... Anyway, uh, yeah, he yeah, could be he a ghost be... of sorts. Yeah, I, I think it's something like he or became Spectre. some... Uh, some untouchable thing. immovable object Cloud. to uh, Dumbledore's unstoppable force <laughs> yep <laughs> mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I and I also think like it says Dumbledore tells Harry like Voldemort left Quirrell to die yeah and then Dumbledore shows up and he says I thought I got there too late and and near, I nearly did and mm-hmm. then you survived I think that Dumbledore got there after Voldemort left. Oh, okay. So he just goes and he sees both of them laying on the ground. And Quirrell's already dead. Ooh. Because I think Dumbledore would have done something. Yeah. Brought them to their... Would have revived him, put him in jail, whatever. That's true. Yeah. Or uh, Azkaban. There you go. That's a thing, right? (laughs) Maybe he is the prisoner of Azkaban. Who knows? 
Do you think know. he is? <laughs> I'm not going to make a prediction I mean, about could, book. Is he dead or not? Five. Is that th- book three? Three. Three. There we go. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to make book three predictions. <laughs> well, come on. It'd be so fun. <laughs> so Dumbledore finds a, a dead quarrel and a nearly dead Potter. Um, takes him up to the hospital ward. And Potter's been out for a while. A couple days. A couple days. When, when he wakes up his his uh results for his exams haven't come back yet Mm -hmm. so and those are supposed to take a week yeah so Um, it doesn't come back the end of term feast was supposed to be the end of that and so we we have about a week's time here yes and they maybe got started on like a monday or tuesday doing this yeah piecing together everything and so i'd say probably three or four days his recovery time was pretty impressive though where it's like he was awake you saw all the gifts and stuff. You talked to some people. It's like magic. It's like magic. <laughs> and then real quick, you could just go to the feast. And he asked the nurse, is it okay if I go to the feast? And she should be like, no, dude, you were laying in a bed for three to four days. You were like dead. You were like buddy. dead. You are staying there and you were eating this damn applesauce. <clears throat> anyway, but this is, a, this is a different world. So... Did I brush through the whole death fight thing too fast? I mean, no, I what don't is there so. to say? Yeah, I it's... mean, I, I think it's interesting that, yes, Quirrell was uh, strong enough and powerful enough to cast a wordless, wandless spell. Yeah. In a way, Harry is too, though. Because Harry just touches him, and he doesn't even know what he's doing. Yeah. And it's this, like, yeah, it's the lame explanation of the power of love. The but power of his mother's love. it's wordless and wandless, and he can't be touched. That's pretty darn powerful, actually. And, huh. like, we were talking the chapter before about how what's an 11-year-old gonna do in that chamber, and how yeah, badass right? is this fight even gonna be? When we haven't seen him cast a single spell, and we still don't. It, yeah. Harry has yet to actually cast a spell <laughs> in a fight of any sort. Yeah. It's so sad. And, and any spell at all. Any spell, yeah. Really. To any effect other than a weak Wingardium Leviosa that doesn't really work. Yeah. And we know he passes his exams, so he he's casting something. But yeah, so this boss battle was a lot more about Harry's incredible defense uh, from the power of love. But, I mean, power of love. It's. I mean, it's a little weak, but but at the same time, it's it's... I guess, but like, uh, can you imagine Ron or Hermione doing the same thing? They love him an awful lot. They love him, but like, did they, but I mean, so now is every kid whose parents die protected by the power of? I like, what about this circumstance makes him untouchable just to one person that's evil and trying to kill him? And, like, why didn't we see that when Fluffy... Like, why didn't we see the scar burn when he was in danger other times, you know? I guess it was just kind of specifically geared towards Voldemort. Probably Voldemort. Yeah. So he's a trigger. Hmm. Any ideas? Any ideas? I I know why, but... (laughs) I mean, it seems like it's it's a pretty specific ward, you know? Like, cast some anti-Voldemort really specific ward thing. Uh, I also know there's something about... um, Oh, what is it called? How he's broken up into a bunch of different pieces, and each little thing is a piece of him. But I don't think Harry's parents played a part in that. Anyway. Uh, deep cut. Deep cut. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why the power of love particularly worked. It's a it's a powerful protection spell that's specific to one person. I don't know. I, I was just uh, 
wanted to make the point that we kind of thought it was going to be a really lame battle. And as far as lame battles go, it was it was a little better, I thought. It was it was it, a little better. It got physical. It got. And, he was and trying to choke him out, and he almost died. I'm, and and Coral probably did. Like Harry essentially killed someone. You killed a guy, Harry. How does that feel? Your first. Uh... I mean, he passed out in the process, but yeah. And it was clearly self-defense, but it's I I was trying to remember how all of this went down, and I couldn't quite remember how he got out of it and, and what happened. And thinking, man, this might be a little lame because I don't remember him casting any spells, like the magic in yeah. it. Yeah, but is, nope, it, it, it it was a little more rewarding than I was remembering. Actually. Yeah, and there was Voldemort yelling like, "Kill him! Kill him! Kill him!" And he couldn't do it. And he couldn't so. do it. And like, yeah, that was a tense. My my, I was sweating. <laughs> like for real. Yeah. Right. reading this chapter i'm just like Whoa, okay how's it gonna what, get through it yeah and this is knowing that it's you know and, and i was also sweating because i'm like crap they're gonna start explaining things soon <laughs> and <laughs> i just action know is so good don't ruin it don't, don't ruin it by by the house cup <laughs> <laughs> so um so harry wakes up in the hospital wing mm-hmm. um and we get everybody loves him everybody loves him and we get this great I think great scene with Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Um, in the hospital bed where Dumbledore wasn't supposed to have, you know, or Harry wasn't supposed to have visitors, but Dumbledore's like, "Come on, like I, I'm I'm Dumbledore. I'm, I'm the king here. Like, <laughs> let me in." Um, yeah. And I just, I I I really believe that J.K. Rowling's writing is it it just soars when Dumbledore's on the page, yeah. when he gets to speak. Her writing does something different. It's more buoyant. Yeah, and I think that's part of, and that's apparent in the first chapter of the book. Yeah, and it's, it's part him. of what I've missed throughout the meat of the book. Yeah, actually, yeah. is we don't get face to face time with Dumbledore. Yeah, the conversation around the mirror of Ira said like it was memorable enough that that's why I'm like this is important mm-hmm. because Dumbledore like it, because Dumbledore's talking and he's so playful about it yet so wise yeah and we just yeah. like I I'm like marking line after line of this of of the Dumbledore scene here of like that's notable and that's notable and I love that line and that's great and it's just full of quotes that I love yeah and it turns out like Dumbledore was pro Voldemort the whole time uh, pro saying the word Voldemort yeah. this whole time where he's like which we knew actually hmm. um, and, and I sort of went back to the first chapter to see because his the quote um, fear of the name increases the fear of the thing itself Okay, is such a well quoted line from this book that I was trying to, I was like, this is so familiar to me. Have we read it before already? And we haven't, but he scolds Professor McGonagall in the first chapter. Like, oh, come yeah. on, McGonagall. It's surely a sensible person like you can say a name. Yeah. I forgot and, about that. But but he doesn't actually say that. This is the only time in the book. And I was sort of hoping that he had repeated it to Harry. But um, but no, uh, it's it's that great line, and um, and he he's sort of like is interested in Harry's candies, which is a sort of harkening back to that first chapter too of like oh lemon drop and yeah, like he's like, he's a very real filled out character, but also like sort of annoyingly elusive of but yeah elusive, but he gives Harry like this kind of catch all of like. Ask me anything. On page 298, he says, The truth, Dumbledore sighed, it is a beautiful and terrible thing and should therefore be treated with great caution. However, I shall answer your questions unless I have a very good reason not to, in which case I will lie. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, in which case, I beg you'll forgive me. Um, <laughs> I shall not answer. Which... Um, or or I, I no, he says I shall not, of course, lie. There we go. So he he does yeah, like yeah. he says I'll tell you the truth or I'll tell you I can't. Yeah. Tell you anything. But I won't lie to you. So, uh, but that's of course, a very vulnerable thing for him to do. Yeah, and like, it's it's very open, um, sort of more straightforward than we've ever seen Dumbledore. He's, yeah. He's yeah. sort of trying to dance around answering questions. Yeah. And he still kind of does. <laughs> and, and he still does. I mean, he he starts off in the first question he can't answer. Which, um, which of course, I'm going to ask you. Oh, Which okay. is, why would Voldemort want to kill Harry in the first place? Because he was there. Uh, but, I mean, he tried to kill him when he was one. So why would he try to kill him again? Why would, well, he says, Voldemort said that he only killed my mother because she tried to stop him from killing me. Hmm. So this is when he was one. Why did Vol- Voldemort try to kill him? Uh, bloodlines? Take out the sons. Mm, very biblical. Well, I mean, <laughs> kill the firstborn. That's <laughs> it's a pretty effective way it's to kind of screw things up. It. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't right. be the first time. Yeah, um, I'd say bloodlines. Um, yeah, killing the men is is, I guess, a good way to end bloodlines. Though I don't think men are more powerful wizards. Well. Well, I guess women are witches, but I don't think there's any notion that men are stronger with magic. Yeah, sexism is, is, I think it has its place in this world, but I mean, just look at the Hogwarts founders. There are two men and two women. Yeah. Although the two houses that we've seen the most of were both founded by men. Yeah. But they didn't talk about the founders yet. Um, In this book, they didn't talk about the founders Not really, although they they did say that the, the founders created the houses based on their ideals. True, and, and yeah. And what they thought the best students were. And so we've now seen Gryffindor and Slytherin founded by men. Yeah. Not so, barely seen a single Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw, but. I don't mean to, to like brush aside the issue. I don't know if we have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Se- sexism um, in the Harry Potter universe. Uh, <laughs> it's so far uh, why, but, why he would kill the dad and the baby son, but not the mother. I mean, I, he tried to kill her. But he only killed her because... Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. That's a tricky question. And Dumbledore... Do you think... uh, Let's see. He knows, but he can't tell him. Because he says, I cannot tell you that. Not today, not now. You will know one day. Why? Why? Yeah. Or wait, you're asking me? Yeah. Oh. Why can't he tell him? Uh, I don't know. This is just a classic you can't handle the truth moment. (laughs) It's such a cop-out. It is I mean, it's probably out. true, but I mean, an 11-year-old did just, like... Defeat the Dark Lord with his, by touching bare him. hands. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you think he'd have a right to know, but there's, there's just got to be so much more. I guess the, the consideration of you did just, like, almost die, and so yeah. maybe even a week ago you could have handled it, but now you can't. Yeah, because you're kind of going through a lot, and let's just process what actually happened, and then maybe we'll talk about that someday when you're, yeah. when you're ready. So, yeah, this interaction between the two is really neat. Um, Dumbledore, the only time that Dumbledore, like, scolded him is when uh, Harry said Snape instead of Professor Snape. Which is so funny. <laughs> he's like, ah, ah, ah. Ah, ah, he's <laughs> Professor Snape. Didn't you mean that? He's still on our side. <laughs> like, <laughs> Which is weird because it was such a casual conversation about he, jelly beans and everything. And, and I do love the juxtaposition there where he says Quirrell and Snape and he only corrects Snape. And, oh. that, and that shows, like... Interesting. Like, like w- we agree. Quirrell 
not yeah. a professor anymore. Like, he's dead and, like, does not deserve that distinction. Yeah. But Snape still does. I didn't even notice that. Was it... Okay, so was it in this chapter that Dumbledore says this is a secret, which is why everybody knows it? Yes. That? Okay. Yes. <laughs> I love that so much. He, he said, um, what transpired or what happened... What happened down in the dungeons between you and Professor Squirrel is... Professor Quirrell <laughs> is a complete secret. So, naturally, the whole school knows. <laughs> uh, he knows. He knows how things work. Yes. So how would other people know? That's what I want to know. Because they were in, like, a locked chamber underneath everything past all of these quizzes. Like, how would anyone find out? Ron and Hermione. Uh, they wouldn't know about the Quirrell twist. I wonder how much Dumbledore told them when they came out. Dumbledore. Like. Maybe they saw, maybe somebody saw him hauled Quirrell's body out. Yeah, like. With like the turban off. They, he said they haven't left his side and. Yeah, like, that's true. Maybe m- Harry talks into sleep. Maybe. Could or be. Or maybe just the fact that they clearly show, one, they're, they're courageous enough to go. Yeah. Risk their lives. I mean, Ron clearly risked his life. Hermione also did by taking risk of this if, is maybe poison. Yeah. Or maybe this is just a trap in yeah. general. Yeah. And and so they both probably deserved some sort of explanation. And then when well, they, they see Harry a... almost dead. Yeah, that's that, true. I I could see Dumbledore kind of laying it out for him a little bit. Yeah. With <sighs> some lemon drops. You know what? You know what? Risking your life gets you though 50 points <laughs> no 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 uh-huh. unless you're Harry unless you're Harry then it's 60 points then it's 60 points <laughs> mhm oh so let's talk about that so, yeah so, so my uh, my whole thing the last couple chapters is like okay obviously Gryffindor has needs to win the house cup because come on they're not gonna go through all this and then Slytherin's gonna win it so it's like somehow they need to make up the 150 points and they're probably just going to hand it out to them because they defeated the Dark Lord. And it totally happened that way. Though not... I mean... First of all, okay, let's talk about how it happened and when it happened. It's... Ugh, I am so frustrated because It's were, a very problematic move uh, that Dumbledore makes. It is such a... Just they a, get to the banquet. To the banquet. Banners are everywhere. Slytherin, Slytherin, Slytherin. The scoreboard, the, the hourglass is there with all the points and everyone's the looking at it. big snake behind the teacher's table. Maybe that's everything. the giant snake I was thinking of. Maybe. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, so a giant snake behind the table. Everything is set up. Everybody is so excited. And like, Harry... Everybody would have been cool with Harry, Hermione, and Ron anyway. Even if they didn't get back these 50 points or whatever. They lost the House Cup. Sure, The entire whatever. school apparently knows. So. Yeah, the school knows. So it's like, they're heroes, okay? They're heroes. And sure, they lost you 50 points or whatever. But, like, this would get them back in the eyes of the public and, like, be cool again. But no, no. Not only did they defeat the Dark Lord, but now Dumbledore is going to interrupt everything before, like, what should be his speech saying congrats to Slytherin. He's instead like, oh, I have a few last-minute points to add. <sighs> so douchey. Like, it's, come on, Dumbledore. It's real problematic. I, I would say that um, if he was going to just award them points for doing it, mm-hmm. he should have done it 
right when he found out what happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, and just gotten gotten it over with and not ha- had the whole pretense of, we're going to publicly just humiliate Slytherin for not being quite good enough. Yeah. After like four or five days after the event happened. And I completely... There was so much time in there. Agree with you that, that it actually would have been more interesting if Slytherin won. Mm-hmm. But they were... Like, like Gryffindor was just kind of okay that yeah. because they're like, we got three people who saved the world from Voldemort, Voldemort. once again. Yeah. Like, it's going to be all right, and we'll come get you next year. Like, yeah. It would have had a sort of... Yeah, they're like, you can have the cup, I guess. We have three people that defeated the Dark Lord. You got nothing on us. An imperfect ending. Yeah. And all they have to do is be like, yeah, we lost 150 points because they were sneaking out trying to figure out how to defeat the Dark Lord. You know, even though that's not exactly what they were doing, but like it would get spun that way. Where it's like, yeah, the only reason we lost is because our people were a little bit busy trying to defeat Voldemort. You know, sorry about it. <laughs> it's yeah, it, I, I agree that it would have been way more interesting. It feels a little bit too much like everything wrapped up in a neat with a neat little bow. Yeah. And I knew that would happen. And it's a kid's book. It's the first book. It's written for a younger audience. Uh, I wondered if Dumbledore partly did it because maybe he just thinks he looks better in red. And he's <laughs> sick of seven years of green. Seven years of green and all the banquet halls. And he's like, come on. It's, I don't know. I mean, I, I would say that I, I do think that what they did is probably point worthy. Oh, yeah, totally point worthy. So, if you can dock 50 points for sneaking around at night, you can definitely grant 50 points for doing some incredibly brave thing. Like, I think that's entirely fair, but waiting four or five days and then changing the decorations just by snapping your fingers, like, you just had that plan the whole time. You knew what you were doing, Dumbledore. And, and even down to the Neville points, which, I mean, wonderful to give Neville points. Oh, yeah, and... and but, yeah. like... The way he does, it's like, oh, but we're so close. If we only had one more point, and then we're going to give five points to Neville for, or ten points. Is it ten points? It's five or ten points to Neville for standing up to your friends. Which I would say, if Neville had succeeded, there would have been a big problem. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Maybe not this particular instance should have been uh, the one where they reward him. So, problematic. Like... Ugh. Yeah, and and I think and he calculated it the... out just so that he could do it, mm-hmm. like, and the fifty fifty sixty, like you said, like make it fifty fifty fifty, then give Neville twenty, I... ten points for defeating Voldemort, <laughs> ten extra points, where it's like, I think Harry probably deserved a couple extra points. Yeah, but ten for defeating the Dark Lord. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, this whole thing. This ending is just, like you said, wrapped up in a neat little bow. Uh, thankfully, it didn't go Lord of the Rings movie on us, where there were, like, four endings. Right. <laughs> because as soon as there was the hospital bed scene, I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> this is the first of four Checking endings. your watch. How much longer? <laughs> yeah, like, Oy. there's going to be a boat that goes off into the sunset, carrying somebody's body. and <laughs> Nope. A train. <laughs> a train. Huh. Which, you know, to be expected. But. What about a train carrying a body? train into the sunset they rode a train home oh yeah and now we're supposed Did to you read the chapter I... <laughs> I was i was really worked up about the points at this point <laughs> i'm just like come on Ugh, so rude 
And then, uh, man, but really, honestly, though, after reading all the, like, fight with Voldemort and then the house stuff, I really don't remember the last couple pages because it's like, okay, like, and now they're back to just normal life of going to the platform and going back and he's supposed to spend it's, it somewhere with the Weasleys. It's pretty not quick Weasleys. where they, like, it's like a chapter on the Hogwarts Express mm-hmm. and then, and, like, it's it's sort of a sort of shedding their their wizard lives a little bit where they like change from their robes into like sweaters and coats and mm-hmm. like into muggleness and one thing that i noticed from on the platform was um well uh was harry get they get back and harry goes up to mrs weasley who's very happy to see him and mm-hmm. that's when he thanks her for his christmas gift yeah and i'm like buddy you're six months late like you're way late did no one teach you how to be polite? I guess probably not. But <laughs> this is that awkward family dinner type thing, though, where it's like I don't know what to say to you, so I'm just gonna bring up something that happened a few months ago because that's our only thing that we can talk about. Yeah, but it's really real uncomfortable. <laughs> and Mrs. Weasley is like the nicest person. Clearly, mm-hmm. like she gives a gift to a stranger because he's the friend of her son. Like, apparently, and also... she does something uh, really cool at some point in the books. By the way. Like what? I don't know, but she apparently she's something awesome. I I saw. Where'd you hear this? Mother's Day. Everyone's like, "Oh man, my mom!" And then they they're like, "Something, something, Mrs. Weasley." And I'm like, and then it's like, "Moms are awesome." Just look at Mrs. Weasley, and I'm like, "Oh, Mrs. Weasley's awesome." Uh, so apparently, Mrs. You Weasley haven't gotten an awesome vibe yet. I mean, I got a pretty awesome vibe, but I also am pretty convinced that Hedwig can shoot lightning. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm the best source for this. Uh, Can Hedwig shoot lightning? Be honest with me. I'm not going to tell you Oh, that. the eyebrows tell me everything. <laughs> Hedwig totally shoots lightning. <laughs> it's a shocking owl. So um, another thing I wanted to talk about is yeah. uh, over the summer, mm. students can't use magic. Yeah. This, uh, okay, I'm going to... I think this world is anti-education because that is what we call in the muggle world the summer slide. If you can't study or practice at all, yeah, you're just gonna you're not gonna retain any. Entirely of it. prohibited. You're gonna come back dumber. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what the summer slide does to you. And you're gonna spend the first couple months just being like, oh, I knew this once. Like they don't start educating you till you're 11, and then you can't use your summers. Plus, just... how do they enforce that? That's entirely unenforceable. Like Hermione's really not gonna go back to her room and try to practice changing over snuff boxes. Magic. Magic. Do how... they take their wands? Do they enforce it? And if so, how? I mean, there's the Ministry of Magic, so it's like if if someone conducts magic in an irresponsible way that gets people's attention yeah they'd totally come in but like in the privacy of your own home there's there's lots of laws you can break in the privacy of your own home but no one's going to find out unless you unless you give compelling reasons so do you think harry's going to try it oh totally yeah he even says like uh which is really really frustrating the final the final paragraph of this book which has so much serious stuff and death and violence and stuff like that is harry just being like uh, let's see. Hermione says, Hope you have her a uh, good holiday, said Hermione, looking uncertainly at Uncle Vernon, shocked that anyone could be so unpleasant. Oh, I will, said Harry. And they were surprised to see the grin that was spreading over his face. 
they don't know we're not allowed to use magic at home, I'm going to have a lot of fun with Dudley this summer. <laughs> uh, cue, like, the audience laughter and the fade to black. Da, 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 da. Uh, what a lame, lame, lame ending. So it's like, no, Harry's totally going to use it just to punk him. And now Harry's confident. And... But we haven't seen him cast a single spell. <laughs> What's he going to do? It's true. <laughs> He's going to turn every snuff box into something, I guess. Uh, he's going to do something. I don't know. But what a lame, lame ending of like, oh, remember Dudley from the first three chapters? Oh, we're going to give him his. He's going to get his comeuppance. It's just like, really? We've, you just defeated like a dark wizard. And now you have this like big grin on your face. He's an 11 year old kid. That's almost true. 12. Yeah. What would you do if you had magic? And a sibling who would bully you yeah i would totally mess with the sibling that's yeah. true and then that's i'd what you do then i'd go get girls be like want to see a rabbit pull out of the hat and they're like you little body and i'm like, They'd be like that's not a rabbit and you're like crap it didn't work <laughs> i'm a terrible wizard <laughs> so uh there's one other thing we skipped over and i kind of wanted to talk about okay um it was it was uh harry oh, asks dumbledore here. about nicholas flamel Oh yeah. Uh and and Dumbledore responds, "Oh, you did do the thing properly, didn't you?" Hmm. Is that like a like I'm very proud that you like figured everything out or is that a I had a plan for you to go through this, one step then another step then another another step and you did it. Yeah, I guess it's kind of a lined him up, knocked him down type thing and Dumbledore is pleased with himself. We've seen, I mean... So was it Dumbledore's plan for him to defeat Voldemort? Ooh, that's a broad question. Because that's... I I saw that and I went, excuse me? Like, I've been wondering if you have been setting this whole thing up for Harry to go through and meet and destroy Voldemort. Um, And see what will happen. That would be so much... That would be so convenient and so many factors. Like, but he's the most powerful wizard that we know of. Yeah, but I, I guess. But if Dumbledore knows that Voldemort is around and might be in the forest because Dumbledore talks to the centaurs or whatever, why would he send Harry into the forest? Like, knowing that Voldemort's there, it's just like there's so much risk and like. Dumbledore only shows up after something bad already happens. Like, if Dumbledore is really in the know and is really that many steps ahead, he's really good at playing dumb, especially leaving the castle. Do you think he cares about Harry? Of course he cares about Harry, yeah. Because it's possible he doesn't. Just using him as bait? Or some kind of science project? Or <sighs> Could be. Put Put him in this chamber and see what happens? I don't think so, no. I think that he was more altruistic than that like i i think yeah i i think he cares about harry i think he definitely wants voldemort dead too and he could have been using harry as bait but i don't think he would have used harry as bait if he believed harry would actually die and especially because he understands why harry was why he was trying to kill harry in the first place like he gets why he was trying to kill harry so it's like maybe he understood that well enough to where it's like well I understand that, so I understand why Harry will be good bait, or why Harry is the one that needs to kill him, period. Where it's like, whatever it is that Dumbledore knows about Harry and Harry's nature, he knows that maybe that's the only way to kill Voldemort. 
so it kind of had to be Harry. Hmm. So it's like, yeah, he maybe maybe he did even did it begrudgingly, where it's like he didn't want Harry to come into harm, but like this is the only way, you know. And it's like Harry walked out of the room from the mirror of Irised, and Dumbledore kind of like sighs and looks down on his shoes, and he's like, man, I wish I didn't have to do this, you know. Like could be, and it could be the sad thing, and he's like, man, like I already lost your parents, and now I, you know, I don't want to lose you. Could be. Uh, I don't think that he's just toying with him, though. No way. And one last thing during that conversation was uh, Harry asks, well, what about the stone? And he says, oh, I destroyed it. Yeah. And Harry's like, oh, but what about Nicholas? He's not going to survive. And Dumbledore says, ah, he's... (laughs) Survive yeah, he'll enough. he'll die, but he's been around long enough. And I was just like, oh my gosh, Clark was right. They're offing Nicholas Flamel. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> you were like, he's gonna die. He's not gonna live another book. And I couldn't remember <laughs> if he was going to survive or not. And then I read that. I was like, oh my gosh, he was right. Uh, called it. I don't think there's anything that you haven't called quite right in this book. <laughs> uh, there's some that I had, I was a little fast and loose with it's, it pretty well teed up though but i thought nicholas flamel was gonna be like offed though uh i mean he wasn't killed but like he does die he's his his mortality is now imminent yeah i don't know if i'd call it a proper fridging though that's okay i'll still take it thank you thank you you're welcome i'll take it totally called it (sighs) meant to do that um Hmm. we're at the end so at the end of the book what what were your favorite quotes? My favorite quotes? Uh, I feel like that was a big tease. <laughs> uh, my favorite quotes. I had uh, one favorite silly sentence and then one favorite. Well, okay. <clears throat> 305. Uh, let's see. When Dumbledore is dishing out the points, uh, he picks Ron first. And he says, first, Mr. Ron Weasley. And it says, Ron went purple in the face. He looked like a radish with a bad sunburn. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know what that looks like, but know. yes. Sure. <laughs> sure, purple in the face, radish with the sunburn. Okay. It's just, I, I wish I could take some of her descriptions, like, you know, a toothless walnut and stuff, and just have it read to, like, over the intro of Sin City in that voice of, like, yeah, he went purple in the face. You, you know what the anatomy of her descriptions is? It's hmm. It's... A food item and a human characteristic. Yeah. That's yeah. all it is. That's it. Yeah. You can do it. You can make your own. I could. Hmm. A hairy lampshade. <laughs> that sounds so weird. Uh, <laughs> but my actual favorite little moment from the chapter, and I know this, is, this doesn't actually play into the plot at all. Well, in a way it does. Uh, it was page 303. Uh, this is after... Harry and Voldemort have this weird thing where Harry, like, um, sorry, Hagrid is like real apologetic about the whole thing. He's like, oh, this whole thing is my fault. And Harry's like, no, it's not your fault. And then I think, um, what is it? Hagrid, uh, tells Harry not to say the name. And Harry just yells at him. He's like, Voldemort, I. I killed him. He killed my parent. I can say his name. And there's this huge tension moment where it's like they're essentially fighting. And Harry is scolding Hagrid, being like, I don't care about the fact that you sold a dragon egg or whatever. But, like, realize what happened here is that, like, Voldemort's gone, buddy. It's gone. And you can whine and complain about, oh, it was all your fault. But, like, Voldemort was here, and now he's dead. 
and you can either like shut up and move on or or actually yeah shut up and move on is essentially like what harry tells him and it's like the super tense moment and then hagrid's like oh and i brought you something and harry's like oh it's not a stoat sandwich is it and after all of this tension and this scolding and hagrid feeling so bad we get a little chuckle from hagrid uh and it says this is 303 it's not a stoat sandwich is it said harry anxiously and at last hagrid gave a weak chuckle and it was at that moment that i'm like you know hagrid's gonna be okay and he might beat himself up a little bit but after this confrontation and after harry being like it's done buddy and immediately like kind of going on to like a more joking thing that i like the way that they wrapped up hagrid's storyline and i feel like that was an incredible way to do it so that is definitely my favorite line one thing that I didn't really notice the significance of until you were talking about that. Mm-hmm. Hagrid was the one who first told Harry Voldemort's name and about Voldemort. And he's the first one who told him, don't say his name. Huh. And the last time that we see Hagrid again, it's we finally see Harry being like, no. Yeah. Voldemort. Like, that's who he is. Yeah. And it's sort of a nice bookend, actually. Yeah, that's true. And it, like I said, it wraps up all of Hagrid's storyline in this book in a way that's much better than a lot of the storylines got wrapped up uh yeah so i like that a lot uh how about you what was your favorite quote or quotes um i have two i had a lot but i've narrowed it down to two (laughs) um on 296 we have our kind of my favorite moment from this whole thing and it's when dumbledore is talking about harry's admirers Mm. and his like pile of goodies (laughs) um and he says, I believe your friends, Mr. Fred and George Weasley, were responsible for trying to send you a toilet seat. <laughs> no doubt they thought it would amuse you. <laughs> Madame Pomfrey, however, felt it might not be very hygienic and confiscated it. <laughs> and I'm just like, I love that payoff from Mrs. Weasley suggesting mm-hmm. unintentionally don't go sending people a toilet seat. Yep. To him actually trying, them actually trying to send someone a toilet seat. And it wasn't a new toilet seat. No. If it was still in the packaging, she'd be like, well, I mean, I guess. But like, well, they're Weasleys. Can they afford a new toilet seat? Uh, (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) They'd have to work all summer for a toilet seat. Uh, They probably found like the the weirdest looking toilet seat in Hogwarts. Yeah. Yeah. Just the most old decrepit one. Or one from like the Slytherin bathroom. Ooh. (laughs) Could be that too. Oh, that's too funny. Uh, I forgot about Mrs. Weasley saying the toilet seat thing. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. It's a good payoff. So then yeah. my, my other one's on 297, um, and it's it's the more uh, contemplative one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's when Dumbledore is talking about uh, Nicholas Flamel and how, don't worry, they'll, they'll be all right. They've lived for a long time, They're but they're probably going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says... Uh, after all, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure. <sighs> and it's just kind of a nice little uh, wise ring to it. Yeah, yeah. It's almost Peter Pan-like. It is, and I don't know if it actually stands up to being picked at. Because it's like, what does being well-organized have anything to do with beliefs of the next life? <laughs> what What is the connection there? But I'll admit that it's a. it seems like a nice sentiment. And, and I actually, despite just picking it apart in that moment like i i get it though i get it to where it's like who knows who knows to, to someone who has their has their crap together mm-hmm. like and and can be okay with a, an uncertain future yeah death is like, just another adventure yeah 
exactly. It's the next thing. Who knows? Uh, I feel like they probably know a little bit better in the wizard world because there are ghosts and stuff. So, but either way, it's an adventure. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's a good quote. I really like that quote. So that's one that gets quoted a lot. Um, You see that around, right? Yeah, I see that one, and I also I I, it it sort of is reminiscent of a a line from Hook, um, where he's got like to or, or or it's 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 Peter Pan. It's to die will be a great adventure. And to live will be a great adventure. Like those two, back and forth, um, yeah. And, and it's it's sort of reminiscent of that. And I like okay. it. I like it. I it's like sort it. of Peter Pan like what what Nicholas Flamel figured out is I'm gonna live forever. I'm not gonna die. So, hmm. um. So do we want to uh, sort of talk about the book as a whole? Did it work? Did it? Uh, what did you think of it? Would you have? enjoyed it if you weren't reading it for a podcast and you know um i would have read it a lot faster (laughs) (laughs) much much faster uh though taking the time to really go through the chapters and read them multiple times uh i think it did pay off and i could see why multiple reads like why it's standing up to multiple reads why you're still catching stuff even though it is a kid's book and there's a lot of stuff like so much of this book was predictable and so many of the predictions that I got wrong, I swear they'll just come around at some point. You know, it's like, I, I know that there's something in this universe that's related to this. I just don't know if it's this specific book. Uh, but did it work as a whole? Yes, absolutely. Could I tell that it's a children's book written by an inexperienced author? Yes. <laughs> uh, and you tell me that, you know, the, the following books, like not only are they aimed at older and older people, but she also is more and more experienced. Um, and I'm looking forward. I, I think that reading the next books and and the rest of the Harry Potter series, uh, regardless if it's with you or not, um, it's going to be. I think it will be rewarding, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what the uh, kind of to watch it mature. You know, because I look at this now and I'm like, this is cute, and I like this, but there's some real holes here, and some writing stuff really gets under my skin. But ultimately, yeah, it works. What do you think? I uh, so I I learned recently. I, I wasn't really sure about this, but uh, the first book was actually marketed as middle grade, which is like uh, aimed hmm. at kids like eight to twelve, huh. and uh, all of the other books were not. They were marketed as YA, and I think the writing also goes into that. You know, kind of who your market is. Yeah, and it shifted when she hit the second book. And do you think that's because she wanted to cover themes that would be really hard to cover with the I, twelve I, language? I think uh, maybe she wasn't sure who her market was going to be when hmm. she first started writing, and so she hit the market that the characters would be in. Oh, okay, that makes sense. And um, YA, like YA, you, you usually write older than what your market is. Is that like 13 plus? What's YA? Yeah, it's like 13 to 18. Okay. Um, so and it's a lot easier to write. It's a lot easier to market something with older characters than the kids who, than than who your actual readers will be because kids read up. They yeah, read yeah. what they think their future might be and what might be possible. And yeah, like I was reading Animorphs about high schoolers in elementary school. Yeah, yeah. And and it's a lot harder to relate to. Oh well, I've already been through freshman year and it's not 
And it's not like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, and and so I think she maybe started with middle grade because that's the age that Harry was. Hmm. Um, and then later figured out it's going to get darker. It's going to get a lot harder to keep this middle grade and deal with the things that I was going to deal with. Yeah. And keep it that sort of light wrapped up in a pretty bow. Writing. Happily ever after. Yeah. Oh, he's going to give Dudley such a hard time. I'm really hoping that yeah. we don't have as many exposition bats in the future. We might. Uh, I don't think it's that bad, though. I think it gets better partly because of her experience and partly because of the market that she's writing for. Okay. So for me, reading through it, it was delightful in a lot of ways, but uh, but a lot of the meat of the book in the middle was really frustrating, and it felt really episodic. and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, chapters weren't linked together and reliant on each other enough. And yeah. so I'm glad I read it. I'm glad I reread it. There are lots of things that I love about it, but not my favorite of the books yeah. that I've read even this year. <laughs> hmm. So. I guess you've read a lot more books than I have this year. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but d- does it work for a middle grade book? I think it does. Yeah, yeah. We're just clearly not the target audience. For a 26-year-old woman, probably not so much. <laughs> Which is to say, I mean, but am I glad that we talked about it? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it's it was fun to dissect. It was fun to dissect. And I feel like even as we kind of got further in and we started realizing, because really I came in so fresh that I'm like, I really bought into like, all right, here's this like, all of this stuff matters. Everything matters. And like eventually reading through the books, I'm like, okay, no, not everything matters. Like there, there are plenty of people and things and, and things that are just merely exist to move the plot along or merely exist because we need a bad guy or merely exist because, oh, well, we need something to happen in the boss battle that's, you know, we know about, but not that well. So it's like, I think the further we got through the book, the more I realized it's like, okay, maybe I went into this a little too bright-eyed and bushy-tailed where i'm like oh man this dudley guy's a real bad guy let's really talk about that when really it's like dudley's inconsequential though he was dudley shaped who harry is that's true and dudley was important in the moment but like i it's not like he's a recurring protagonist although he is the last person that we talk about in the book too it's true it's true I guess I just wonder if I took it too seriously, but I think it wouldn't have been as fun to talk about if I hadn't taken it seriously. Yeah, I think you know? uh, that's part of the joy of middle grade is that that sort of heightened everything's really important. Yeah, Like, yeah. this Quidditch match is of the utmost importance, the and most I imp- can't break my leg to get out of it. <laughs> I have to win. That's true, that's true. Yeah. I mean, that's you sort of embodied the spirit of everything is important. And it was fun to, to be To an 11-year-old. Yeah. And so it's, And she wrote it really well for that. Yeah, it's I, I love her playful voice, even though she sort of stumbles around with it sometimes. It's, yeah. It's it's it builds an incredible world. Yeah, and but so many of my of my favorite things about the book, even though it did build this incre- incredible world, and there's all sorts of questions I have about like limitations of magic. Can you store it? And can you make a Manhattan Project for magic? What is this word of love? Like, is it really a word of love or is it a really powerful spell that she cast at the last second? Like, I have all of these questions, but like the fantasy of the world isn't what sold me on it. It was more just like those little interactions that we see between people. And it's when we see Dumbledore talking at the Mirror of Irised. It's when we see Hagrid stumbling over his words and, and saying too much. and uh, Or Hagrid walking out of the library with a book about dragons and like thinking he could get away with it. You know, it's these little moments where um, 
even though this is a book about wizards, it's the most human moments that really sell me on this book. Yeah, not the most wizard moments, not the coolest. Like what he he did what he cast Leviosa and a spell and the club fell and hit the troll on the head. I'm like, okay, that's cool and all, but like I really like this interaction between Hermione waiting by the door for them to come through. And then they come through and she waited for them. And you're like, oh, things have changed. And I feel like when she wrote those moments, the way that she wrote a few of those moments that I just mentioned was way more powerful than when she blatantly said, Hermione is their friend now. Mm -hmm. Because she felt the need to tell us Hermione is now friends. They're now a crew. But I feel like there were so many things that she just could have not said. Rowling could have just not said because she conveyed it well enough with with those little moments. You know what I mean? So, um, what, what do you kind of want to see in coming books? Uh, hmm. I want to learn more about the school itself, uh, and how an that works, character. the history of it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I want to see more Huffle, okay? I want to get my Huffle on. <laughs> you want to get your puffs. I want to, I want to get my puffs. I want to Huffle hard. I want to Huffle fast. <laughs> I want to Huffle, like, all the puffs. And... Uh, so I, I want to see more about the other schools. I want to see that dynamic play out. Um, other schools or other houses? Sorry, other houses. Other schools? I don't... Well... Well, we, we know about... We do know an about... An American school. An American school. You know about an American school. Ilver Morney. Ilver Morney. Ilver Morney. Yeah, it exists. Though they don't know that. Uh, or maybe they do. But... Um, I think we would have seen that. Yeah, they would have mentioned something. I don't think the author knew. It's probably <laughs> at true. That, at that time, she didn't know about <laughs> Overmorning. Anyway, uh, what's the question? What do you want to see in okay. coming books? I guess, hmm. The thing that I want to see most is, first of all, Harry casting spells <laughs> would be very nice. <laughs> Harry the wizard would be a nice thing to see instead of just Harry the bumbling 11-year-old. Or Harry the Quidditch player. Or Harry the Quidditch player. I, I don't want to see more Quidditch, I'll tell you that. I'm not sold on the sport. I don't really get my kicks from it. Uh, I want to see more of Fred and George. I really do. I want to see more of Fred and George. I want to see those antics. You want to see that toilet seat. I want to see that toilet seat. <laughs> I want to see more of the forest. I don't care about the centaurs necessarily. They're funny and all, but um, I want to see more of the forest. there's clearly more in there. Yeah. yeah. I want to get to know more about Dumbledore. Honestly, like... I don't know about learning more about Hagrid. I feel like we... I don't know if we'll learn that much more about him. I feel like he's a pretty black and white character, and we've seen pretty much the depths of what he cares about and what he's about. I don't think he's hiding any secrets except for the wand and his umbrella, and maybe he'll get in trouble for that, but, like, okay, I'm sure that'll be a plot point later on. Um, I want to learn more about uh, Snape as a character, not just as a swooping bat, because he's he's... Well, he's not the bad guy in this book, <laughs> even though time and time again, they lined up to where Snape looked like the bad guy. Uh, I, I want to learn more about why he's not the bad guy. They really need to redeem him. And I feel like maybe J.K. Rowling thought that she did that with Dumbledore's little speech about, well, you know, this is why he's actually kind of indebted to your family. I don't think she did, because then no. we, when we see Snape at the end of the banquet, it's Harry, like... To meets his eyes and he and harry concludes he hasn't changed a bit he still hates me so we need to figure out this snape guy because despite multiple multiple paragraphs trying to explain who snape is i still don't know 
I, I want to see an actual human moment of Snape where he's not acting suspicious. That'd be nice. Uh, and lastly, I'm still shipping McGonagall and Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, with that, uh, that's that's the end of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Wow. So, um, that's also... Uh, that's the end of our book, but it's not the but, end of our season. Yeah, season one is still going. We're going to do one more episode in our season, and mm. that will be a film adaptation analysis. Yay! So we're going to watch the first movie together and uh, talk about what worked, what didn't work, what they left out, because you can't do all of this in two hours. Yeah, nope. <laughs> and, and if those are the things they should have left out, and just, you know, have you seen the movie? Uh, yes. Yes? Y- y- is that uh, a yes? <laughs> Alyssa, my memory with movies is terrible. I, yeah, how many movies have you seen in your life? <laughs> like, um, more than a hundred, less than two, over a hundred. We're, we're going to make a big dent in the movies that you watch. <laughs> <laughs> so if I've seen it, I don't remember it, which either yeah. means I didn't care or I was watching it with somebody else, so I wasn't really watching it, or, um, I don't know. Did you Harry Potter and chill? (laughs) (laughs) Could be. There's a a time there where I watched a lot of movies, but I didn't watch a lot of movies. So, um, I I don't know. I don't remember it, but I feel like I've seen a lot of GIFs from it, and probably some, like, video clips from it that were turned into memes. Uh, so I know what it looks like. Obviously, I know all the actors. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard it's not to impossible know. Impossible not yeah. to know. Yeah. yeah. And um, and I followed, you know, their future work, though. Harry Potter. Oh, what is his name? Dan Radcliffe. Dan Radcliffe. I guess we'll talk more about his movie career in the last episode of the season. Yeah. Let's not get into that, yeah. but uh, following him has been very interesting. <laughs> so so anyway, our, our season will conclude our, in our next episode with mm-hmm. uh, a, a film adaptation, and then we might do a couple of intervening episodes. Um, I think we're going to, we're planning on sticking with our same schedule, but it just yeah. won't be reading any books. Um, yeah. Season two is not coming for, there's, there's going to be a gap. But maybe a month or two. Maybe a month or two, but there's not. There will be podcasts. It's just not directly talking about a book. Um, and our next book is going to be our second Harry Potter book. We're so. doing it, guys. We're doing it. We so. were on the we were on the fence. Uh, we were thinking about maybe switching to a different book series, maybe uh, trying something else for a season. But we kind of like this Harry Potter thing. Yeah. And it's an interesting book. There's so many open-ended stuff that we'd like to know. So. And I'm just dying to know if she does the exposition better. I'm just dying. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, I'm dying if, to see if she gets away from exposition bots. Yeah. Be nice, yeah. So uh, Chamber of Secrets coming your way. Um, in the meantime, uh, you can contact us on Twitter at WordstruckPod, or you can find me at Alyssa Small. And you can find me at Clark Hodges. We, yeah. are, we are a secret weapon production, uh, which is at Weaponize Me on Twitter. And you can email us at secretpodcast at gmail.com and at wordstruckpodcast at gmail.com. Yay! So, yeah. So, yeah, we're reading the second book. Uh, we're not fully like a Harry Potter podcast. We're still word, Wordstruck. We still talk about great books. 
uh, with great friends. And hopefully our intervening episodes will sort of show that, too. Yeah. So uh, even though we are reading the Harry Potter books, and that's awesome, and we love talking about it, um, we also just want to hear about your books and what are your summer reads. And we'll give you a lot more chances to talk to us in the next couple episodes. But thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thank you so much for enjoying season one. It's been a delight. It's been a delight. (laughs) And there's a lot more to come. uh, This just keeps getting better and better. Yeah. So... Thanks, guys. (laughs) Thanks, guys. And, uh, yeah, have a great day.